Well, folks, uh, welcome back. After a long time between drinks, uh, we find ourselves in my sweat box slash studio. Uh, it's a little bit quirky. It's 36 degrees outside. I'm having a coffee and I've got a cold. Um, so bear with me, but uh, hopefully I'll do less of the talking than the guest that I have in today, namely Ricky Lambert. And uh, it's been a little while uh, since I have asked um, Ricky to come and sit in here and uh, he has had a tumultuous month or two or three uh, and uh, I wanted to um, ask him a few questions about how his faith has uh, given him a straight course through that period of time. Now, uh, there are many of you who know who he is uh, when I'm talking to the simple churches that are in our local context, but uh, there are many people who uh, will never have heard the name Ricky Lambert or if they have from afar. Um, so I would like to use the next uh, 14 minutes or so to uh, just you know welcome you, Ricky. Yeah, thank, thank you, Craig, thank, and g'day, everyone. Thanks for coming all the way from the Barossa in South Australia to Adelaide. Used to be the other way around. Um, and uh, I'm going to ask him a few questions about, you know, who, who he is, where is he from, where, did, where was he born, bred and buttered, and uh, what, what have been some of the kind of significant markers along uh, your journey, Ricky, yeah. I, I guess. Um, what have been the defining moments? Um, so, you know, you, you don't have much time to kind of formulate a reaction to that, but, uh, you know... Oh, start, def- start us off. Defining moment in my life was meeting Craig Joffe. Oh. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> That's <Next>. the end. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, mean, so I think it's useful context for people to know. Craig and I go back a long way um, through our wives, really, who we did school together, and you were at the same school yep. as well, Manual yep. College. Yep. So through the um, church we were all attending around that time in uh, Nova Gardens near Glenelg in Adelaide. Uh, we got to know each other then uh, and have been you know, friends and brothers ever since. Um, but my life story going back and in a very condensed form is that I I grew up in the riverland of South Australia on the River Murray in a town called Berry. About 5,000 people live there. Um, it's an agric- agriculture, horticulture region, fruit growing. Now grows a lot of wine, grapes and, and almonds. So I grew up around farming and agriculture um, and uh, so my parents moved there when I was about in year three of school, so maybe oh, I'm terrible with these sorts of things, about nine years old or whatever. And so I um, uh, had f- three siblings, a brother and two sisters. I'm the oldest of those four. Uh, mum, and, mum and dad ran small businesses in the Riverland. Yeah. And so we... Um, at that time, Dad was not a churchgoer, and so Mum was the one who kept the um, flame alive, I guess, for the faith at that time when we were doing the Lutheran thing. Yeah. Mum would take us to the Lutheran church and go to Sunday school, and uh, there was some, I think probably one of the major, to um, uh, get to the core of your question, major events was um, Pastor Ted and Renata Prenzler uh, were um, the pastors at the Zion Berry Lutheran Church, and they reached out to Mum and Dad through small groups uh, to try and get... Uh, dad more interested in what's going on with God and yeah. with him and that was a powerful moment especially when my dad gave his testimony in front of the church and broke down um, because he realized you know, things weren't going so great and for us kids to be to see your dad break down and show that level of emotion and realize what's going on I thought everything was okay and then to have your dad sit down at the dinner table and open his bible and said this is what we're going to do from now on just amazing so wow. for us as kids that was a, a major defining life moment I don't want to derail things um, or sidetrack us, but um, we've only just come back on the back, off the back of a conversation in relation to uh, what happens in vulnerability is often the most significant yeah. stuff. And, and then when we, when we hide those things, those areas of weakness, not only do we suffer, but we kind of potentially you know, career into a, a pylon. 
Yeah. And so it's interesting that your dad's weak moment or vulnerable moment mm. turned to me turned into be a uh, a defining moment for you. Yeah. You actually saw the crack. Yeah, and I know others listen to this podcast from other parts of the world, but in the Australian culture, men need to be tough and strong and not show their emotions. And uh, to, so to see your dad break down and uh, and show his emotions like that makes you sit up and take notice. But we know this from Scripture, you know, from the Bible that uh, you know when when I am weak, God is strong, and that's where our strength can come yeah, from. Yeah. Uh, and that's really where God does His best work is when we. And that was the next probably major defining moment for me in my life when I was a uni student in Brisbane was to get to a point where we'd lost our government benefit or study to help me study at uni. I think um, Dad might have lost his job or something. You know, finances, we were being crushed by our yeah. finances. And my flatmate, Hannah, said, well, you're struggling with this because you haven't given it all over to God yet. So... I went, okay, and my faith was pretty flimsy at that stage, yeah, I've got to yeah. be honest, I was drinking a fair bit um, at the uni bar and, and yeah. getting you know, pretty hooked on alcohol and chasing girls and that sort of thing, even hit the casino a little bit, even though I had no money to gamble. <laughs> I'm going to get more. Uh, and, uh, yeah. and so um, I said on Hannah's advice, I said, okay, God, you know, I'm doing a really rotten job of this, I'm going to hand it over to you, you know, see if you can do any better. And he did. Uh, he turned it around. I got a job offer the next week. Um, the OS study was restored. Wow. That was a bit of a segue into my first experience of writing to a politician and getting involved in seeing what politicians can actually do for people. But that um, that was a no- the next major defining moment when I realised that if I had you know you and I sitting side by side doing this podcast and I'm in the passenger seat, if you if you play the part of God, letting you sit in the driver's seat and yeah. I I go in the passenger seat. Realising for the first time that is something that can work for your life yeah, and yeah. is in fact God's design for your life yeah. uh, is, was a, just a freeing thing because it wasn't all up to me anymore. So um, just to clarify, what were you studying uh, up in Brisbane? Yeah, so I was studying law and information technology, two degrees. So I did IT for three years there, bit of law and then transferred to Adelaide, which was how our paths ended up crossing when I transferred my law degree, which was unfinished, yes. down to Adelaide. Okay, okay. So look, there's hints already that politics have been uh, a part of your life for a little while. Yeah. Um, how, how, what, you know, bearing in mind, you know, telling your story in, in and through this, um, mm. you know, at what point did those paths kind of uh, intersect and uh, what, what happened there in regard to how you were living out your faith? Yeah, um, I think probably apart from my, my marriage uh, and uh, the children that we had, um, obviously the, oh, yeah. tell, the, tell story, the story with Caleb um, was a, a, a catalyst for us to think seriously about politics and I'll try and avoid being political here but uh, he was diagnosed with a uh, condition in the, u- in the womb uh, while yeah. he was 20 weeks uh, gestation uh, and then we were offered an abortion. And that's that's an important faith discussion to have about, well, we just could not fathom aborting a child, and yeah. certainly a disabled one. Uh, I mean, any child shouldn't be aborted, but we thought, well, we've got to give this kid a chance in life. It's yeah. our child. Um, but there was a horror we felt in the spirit at that time as believing Christians when we were offered that abortion and we realised there's something deeply wrong here. Uh, it may, there's two instances in the Bible. One where... Pharaoh orders the killing of the Hebrew children yeah. and they're thrown into the river. And the other time when, uh, Christmas period, um, Herod, I think, orders the killing of the, the, the babies, uh, in the boys in Jesus' village. Yeah. Uh, 
we felt spiritually there's a link between those two instances and what we're seeing in abortion today. Yeah. Uh, where these children are being thrown into the river, killed for a, a purpose uh, which is dressed up as being somehow caring, but it's not caring for that child. So that was a political activator for us. Okay. Um, I, I mean, you know, I didn't, I, I wasn't aware that that was a key um, motivation, if you like, to seek something within the political realm. I wasn't really seeking it. You and I know Bill Greenslade. He was asking to help out with the Family First Party with elections, and yep. uh, I did that. And it was only in reading their policies uh, and their policy on abortion I realised, hey, look, here's a house for me. Yeah. Politically, because they're very strongly pro-life. Okay. Now, I don't, again, I don't want to get terribly political, but for me, that was a defining moment in our family. It was not only Caleb's birth, uh, having defied the attempts to have him aborted, um, his birth, his life, and then his death, mm-hmm. uh, which mm-hmm. was again a, an incredible um, journey and faith tester, which we lean on to this day uh, yeah. with the struggles we're going through at the moment. So, so what's if you can conjure uh, one or two things that happened faith-wise through that through that period of Caleb's life yeah yeah what, what, what are some of the things that you know we can gain value yeah. from from your testimony yeah look um, and we find incredible connection with people who've had stillbirths and, and and those sorts of scenarios as well because for those parents they know there is a life there um, that they cherish and a life that they will uh, meet again with one day um, so for us as Christians, we know that Caleb, our son, is only ahead of us uh, at the next train station, yeah. I like to say. Yeah. And so we will meet him again. In fact, I've got a vision about that I could share. But really, um, God gives us what we need to cope with that sort of loss. But Caleb's life, we felt he was incredibly grateful to be given the chance of life. Yeah. He was the happiest little boy. Uh, 13 months he lived. Um he just seemed happy to be alive. Yeah. He blessed everyone who encountered him because he was just this happy little kid who and was happy to be held by anyone, spend time with anyone. Um, and I think that um, his life was a testimony to us that God gave us that window of time to appreciate um, disabled people, disabled yeah. people with a disability, to use the politically correct term. Yeah. Uh, because I had, um, my, my nan had been... Um, uh, a carer and worker with intellectually disabled people for many years and I had an attitude about people with intellectual disabilities that God had to judge and deal with when we had a child who potentially had an intellectual disability. Yeah. He didn't live long enough for us to really know whether he did but now I see people with any disability and I go, well that could be my son. Yeah. And that changes how you think about people who are different. Yeah, Ab- absolutely. I, You know, th- there's... A million different ways that I'd like to kind of even dwell around this issue because it, it speaks of brokenness, it speaks of uh, many, many cracks, it speaks of um, weakness. Uh, both my siblings are intellectually disabled and, um, you know, it, as, as Taya says, I, I think much of their um, purpose in life is to help help those of us that think that we have it together mm. to understand that we are also broken and that we're also in need and that we are also not defined by our brilliance mm. or lack of, or lack of yeah. in comparison, you know what I mean? Yeah, you gave me that book by Henry, Henri Nguyen, to read and I can see why you get a lot out of it. And the way intellectually disabled people can disarm you yeah. and, and strip away your self-pretension in an yeah. instant. Uh, yeah. There's one marvellous young... Uh, well, I say young, she's in her 50s, which is incredible for a person with Down syndrome. Yeah. Uh, but she's in the Riverland and Mary Ann and she's just a testament to if you give those kids a chance 
at life, yeah. uh, how successful uh, and um, incredible those people can be. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so in, in the in the dying moments of this episode, and uh, we're gonna I'm gonna keep um, holding um, you in this room as long as I can. If uh, we can have a few more episodes out of you, um, but uh, you know, just to kind of truncate the last part, and we might develop mm-hmm. it more in the next um, yep. episode. You essentially moved from the Riverland. You were working in what private practice? Yeah, I was a lawyer in private practice, and then I did run for the Family First Party, and through that got identified, I guess, as someone who had the skills that would be useful to work in politics. So I started, had to move to Adelaide to work in state politics for one of the MPs. Okay, and so we're talking now, what, 12 years ago? Oh, yeah, <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> uh, so just sorry to just a shade over 10, yeah, but it's it's gone so quickly. Yeah, okay. Well, we might touch on that um, next time round. We'll talk about um, some of what's happened in that time, what's happened within you, mm. what are some of the outcomes, but particularly, you know, some of what's happened recently, I think there's a lot of value in what I'm seeing and, and I've heard other people speak of um, the, the way Christ is working his, himself out in you and your family mm. as you go through some adversity, some challenges uh, and a great deal of uncertainty. Yep. Uh, let that be just the, the opening uh, number and uh, we'll talk next time. Thanks, Ricky, for your time again. Cheers.